Daily Drive is brought to you by eBay Motors. Auto dealers, are you missing the most engaged buyers because you don't know where to find them? At eBay Motors, you'll find buyers so motivated they purchase a car or truck once every three minutes. Just call 866-210-5362 and mention code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Daily Drive. I'm Steve Schmidt with Automotive News. It's Friday, April 23rd. The semiconductor shortage continues to wreak havoc across the global automotive industry. Just this week, automakers announced additional production stoppages because of the shortage. And Ford CEO Jim Farley, in speaking to Automotive News Group publisher Casey Crane, as part of Automotive News' Congress Conversation series, described the crisis as perhaps the greatest supply shock he's ever seen. And while the headlines these days related to semiconductors focus almost exclusively on the vehicles themselves, Intra-Ratio founder and CEO Ryan Gamble says the use of semiconductors in the automotive industry is going to continue to expand. He says automakers and suppliers need to also be thinking about how to harness the full capabilities of semiconductor technology and a broader suite of Industry 4.0 technologies like IoT and artificial intelligence. Gamble says semiconductor traceability is a huge driver in that effort because it enables manufacturers to track every step of an electronic device through the supply chain. When something goes wrong, traceability allows for quick identification of the devices impacted, the cause, and even what other systems connected to the device may be impacted. Important when companies are squeezing billions of transistors onto something about the size of your fingernail. As vehicles, manufacturing facilities, and global corporate enterprises become more connected and the use of technologies enabled by semiconductors expands, Gamble says automotive companies are going to have to increasingly develop what he calls data-centric mindsets and have the people that know how to operate in these connected ecosystems, know how to manage and interpret data, and even know how to find new ways to monetize data collected through traceability. What other benefits should automakers be thinking about? What are the risks? of not embracing these and other Industry 4.0 technologies, we've reached Intra-Ratio founder and CEO Ryan Gamble at his home office in San Diego, California. Ryan, thanks so much for joining me today on Daily Drive. How are you? I'm doing very well, Steve. Thank you. Thank you for taking some time out of your schedule. So why don't we start with what is making headlines all over this industry right now, and that is the semiconductor shortage issue. What's your point of view, and do you think we're at the tip of the iceberg on this? How long do you think this is going to last? Uh, it's a really great question. Um, you know, I feel like we are sort of moving to the tip of the iceberg, and um, we're it's it's going to start to play itself out in a positive way, uh, getting more supply out there. Um, you know, as far as having exact pulse and causes and, and really what's going on, um, you know, it's a complex interaction. You know, there was a pandemic that caused factories to kind of slow down as they shifted the resources to account for COVID. Uh, you know, some factories paused outright uh, because their customers stopped purchases. We've seen that on one side. Um, in the automotive side too, you had this demand uh, forecast, which seemed to be uh, lower than what the consumer demand would be for cars. And then you now have cars that are basically high performance computers with cellular technology on wheels. And so, there was this massive increase in the need for semiconductors, everything from the infotainment side and all that. Uh, anyways, the retooling, they're shifting. Um, takeaways, uh, some, some industry leaders I've heard, they say about nine months, you know, to really have this, this uh, stabilize and uh, provide, bring on more supply chain. Um, 
so that's kind of a quick overview from what I've seen, what I've heard from industry people, and what we've seen within our own customers of what's really been going on. But uh, that's our hope, about nine months to a year. So it's definitely going to trail into a little bit of next year, but I see lots of positive signs. And that's similar to what we're hearing as well. In fact, we did a survey recently of about 500 readers and subscribers of Automotive News. We'll dive into that a little bit later because I'd like your point of view on some of the data that is coming from our preliminary analysis. <laughs> Intro ratio serves a lot of different industry verticals. Why is this shortage unique to automotive versus the other verticals that you operate in, the other customers that you might serve in other industries? Um, you know, I'm, it's 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 kind of new to me as well. I'll be honest, uh, in terms of what is the the real difference? Because you actually, you know, as highlighted, we came we really came out of the semiconductor uh, side of it, and we got pulled into automotive, and primarily because of the amount of automation that's needed to now track these complex assemblies and and using more chips. And so we were a perfect natural fit to now be pulled into an SMT production line where you attaching boards or chips to boards but you need to track the chips how they're behaving as well and all this interaction um, and so my sense is us being pulled into it without really targeting the automotive industry sort of leads me to the sense that they needed to tool up very quickly and in order to handle so much more computing in cars and uh, just a lot of things weren't really ready they didn't really understand the supply chain uh, planning that really goes into semiconductor, you know, we've seen it on our pure semi customers. I mean, they plan, you know, years out, uh, they're negotiating uh, for fab capacity, capacity planning. They're, they're not able to work with a huge myriad of suppliers and, you know, pick a group of suppliers and know you have a fallback option here. They're generally in about two or three fabs only. So it's really more of a capacity negotiation over time. So I think those elements, in terms of, of 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 building up the supply chain have kind of played into it. Um, that's how I see it from our side. Again, it's been very interesting in how this has just caught us off guard in a very positive way on our business side because, uh, you know, our ability to track these highly complex assemblies because we came out of the semi-industry, but just how uh, we kind of got pulled into that. And so it tells me there's still a lot of greenness in supply chain planning, particularly on chip supply uh, sources on the automotive industry. Is that what you mean when you say semiconductor traceability? It's a relatively new term. I actually had to study that a little bit before uh, today's conversation between you and I. Um, for the help of our listeners, what is semiconductor traceability, and how does that apply to your your point of view? Or um, you know, if, if a few minutes ago on on how this shortage is impacting the automotive industry. Yeah, it's that's that's a really great question, um, and uh, you know uh, the it's it's something I love to talk about because it's actually kind of the the what what interracial starting this company. What my my goal was was to bring semiconductor traceability into what we call back end assembly and manufacturing and test. So semiconductor is really if you think about it, you're making a chip and you you build, you create a whole, you know, hundreds of chips at a time, you know, thousands, and each one of them could have millions to billions of transistors. So some product lines I worked on had over a billion transistors in a single chip the size of your pinky fingernail. So imagine that's a billion problems you've got. 
Now, when you're manufacturing something like that, you're in these really tightly controlled process environments. So you can't have people manually intervening. You're dealing with chemicals, gases, you deal with complexity. If you can smell somebody's perfume or cologne, that's a particle that's going to land in the middle of a transistor junction and kill your chip, right? So you have these very expensive processes, you have these highly complex products, and semiconductor traceability was about how do you automate the traceability of that so that because you can't manually collect data on this. There's literally millions, if not billions of data points at each part of the manufacturing process. And you need to understand how stable it is. Is this chip okay to move to the next step? Have I got defects? You know, has the machine got the right recipes? Imagine the complexity of a sputtering system that's firing out copper deposition, vaporized copper to build up tiny little transistor lines, right? You can't do that manually. So semiconductor traceability has been a mix of mass amounts of data collection in real time and machines kind of talking to each other. You know, machine will hand off certain signals to the next machine and literally your chips just move along. Now, so that's where we come out. So that's the traceability. And uh, why it's important to automotive is now you're, you're building cars that used to have 30,000 parts to it, right? So you think nuts, bolts, screws, you know, spark plugs, cables, harnesses, and yeah, some solid state type of electronics, you know, in the 80s that might have had a microcontroller that maybe had, you know, 2,000 to 10,000 transistors. Now they've got, you know, basically almost equivalent GPUs, high performance processors that have over a billion transistors. So you went from 30,000 parts in your car to now billions of parts. You have billions of points of failure, if you think about it. And it's these are high-performance computer, computers with cell phone technology on wheels. And it's it's getting greater and it's better. And there's huge benefits for us uh, as consumers, you know, industry, uh, and the, uh, but now you have a whole different level of traceability requirement. And so um, that's kind of speaks to why we're getting pulled into these automotive lines. One of the first product lines we got pulled into for traceability was uh, a GM autonomous vehicle data uh, capture system from LIDAR, pre-processing system, because uh, 1,800 components to it, some of those chips had, uh, you know, at least half a billion transistors in them. And uh, this is people's lives are on the line, you know, uh, safety, this thing's doing autonomous decisions in driving and so they needed this high level precision automated data collection they needed uh, uh you know tools to basically hand off instructions from one machine to the next and literally stop people from having to manually intervene because that's where errors happen and so uh basically taking a surface mount line uh that traditionally had no automated traceability um and uh and now completely how do you automate that out so so that's the overview semiconductor traceability and, and why it's critical for automotive now. Well, and the things that you talked about, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, describe as in the final product. But it seems to me that some of the things you're also talking about are also applicable to the product development stage, right? Let's talk about these very complex systems that that where where various components are coming together from various suppliers. There's also a piece of it that says, and maybe I'm I'm curious. Does this traceability? Let me let me frame this as a question. Does that traceability then have benefits in the product development stage in terms of 
understanding how these disparate systems work together in harmony, right? Does this chip work with that chip? Do these systems work together? Does traceability allow some sort of insight and even the product development stage to make sure that once we place billions of dollars in structural costs for manufacturing these things, that the things actually work? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that's just nail on the head. You know, that is, that's the hidden value that's under there that, yeah, companies are aware of what value that is, but, uh, you know, people are, you know, still focused on product out the door and, you know, market and get there. Um, but yeah, this underlying value that really drives that is that ability to, yeah, optimize your manufacturing process and, and, and optimize the design process as well. So, um, yeah, our, com our customers, have we seen them go through really fast design iterations? You know, once you you have this traceability, and you're collecting all this data, you can set up these little models, these basic scripts. You can have some uh, just analysis tools, even a, a spreadsheet program. You can kind of turn it into pulling in this data and immediately running correlations. You know, like you said, uh, this device paired with this device on this board. Now you can even correlate it to the machine. You can actually verify that your vendors are able to, your machine vendors are able to give you the producibility, the results you want. Or you can feed that back and say, you know what, we optimize this board, this design, and this way we can get more performance through these machines in terms of volume and assembly, less waste. Yeah, it really, it it just, it shifts the game completely. Uh, final summary on that is, you, some, you may have heard this buzz, Siemens pushes this out there, the digital twin. I mean, that's, it's a great moniker for it. Um, it's kind of a little nebulous, I feel. So I like to talk about it. It's about data. That's what it is. You're in exactly what you you asked, Steve. Yeah, it's about product development, uh, design, iteration, using data. You, you can now feed that back to engineering. So literally manufacturers have always been separated from engineering. Engineering will kick the job over to manufacturing, say, here's the design, build it, right? And then it comes out and it fails. And now manufacturing's blaming engineering, engineering's blaming manufacturing. Now you you get rid of that old traditional way of, of interacting and literally manufacturing and engineering are actually looking at the same thing at the same time, completely integrated, working together and optimizing. Well, I think, I mean, that is that, you, what you're hitting on is in, in the context of digital twin is, as designed, digital twin is operated, digital twin is manufactured, digital twin is supplied, right? Engineering wants something, or is there even a supply base out there that can supply that at, at scale that's required to meet customer demand? I mean, digital twin spans the entire life cycle of, of a product in, in many respects. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, uh, sometimes I think it's a little bit too expansive in some cases to say that, you know, in terms of the digital twin, um, I think, um, you know, it depends on how deep in the supply chain we're talking. We're talking like even to the shipping logistics in that sense. Uh, my take on digital twin is really it's about um, it's really about sort of that within your your uh, closed supply chain of manufacturing. Um, not uh, not you know I think it's too much to to add in the logistics side and they do in terms of shipping and that interconnecting how that is digitally. You can measure that, but um, yeah, so. Uh, anyways, it's 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 interesting how expansive uh, that term has gone. Um, yep, absolutely. So let's you know what we've talked about so far has been about 
semiconductors and traceability. I mean, one, I think in a rich portfolio of what many are describing as industry 4.0 type of technologies, IoT, right? This is certainly a piece of it. And a lot of the headlines we we're seeing, and in, in fact, some of this, most of the stuff we've talked about thus far in this conversation has been around the product. Can you talk a little bit how semiconductor traceability, how industry 4.0 technologies are having benefits on the plant floor, on enterprise operations, on how you serve your customers? Uh, this is, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's so many, uh, so many value points here. Um, you know, so I'll just jump on the, 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 the ones that are obvious there. Um, but um, yeah, just visibility, uh, decision-making process, the benefits, uh, people uh, le- wasting less time, uh, less wasted labor, less energy wasted. So there's environmental benefits uh, and the quality benefits uh, and the market to market benefits. So you have a reduction of waste, reduction of lost inventory that, you know, labor is better utilized. And then you have this quality product. You have this, this, you're, the market is now more comfortable with what you're delivering. They have a higher confidence in your product. Um, and because you can show, you have the data to show it was produced on this day, this time went through these systems, it was manufactured at these tolerances. Here's the data, I can feed it out to you. And we can look at statistically and, and identify, you know, how many defects you may expect over a million units shipped, that kind of thing with huge confidence. And then what does that ultimately do? It actually results in more customers, uh, more demand. Um, we we did a deployment in factories down in Mexico. And again, this new automotive getting pulling us into this automotive side. And three years later, they are they are you can name all the top uh, automotive companies in the world. They are capturing their business. They are also capturing supercomputing business as well. They're capturing now medical device integrated business because of traceability. So it, it really overall the benefit is it's 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 what how much market growth do you do you want to take on? You know, when you bring in a system and you bring in it effectively, and we can talk about that as a separate discussion, what's the risk of trying to bring in a system like this? Uh, because it's not that straightforward. I'll be honest in the market is aware of a lot of manufacturers are, you know, but the benefit, once you have a full integrated traceability system like this, it's really about what dial you want to turn to how much money, how much profit, how much revenue, how many more customers you want to drive in, how much less waste you want to do. Uh, That's the power of it. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back with more. The most motivated car buyers aren't knocking on your door anymore. They're online, but you don't have to look far. You can find them at eBay Motors. Our platform features over 7 million engaged users. Our buyers are so engaged, they enter over 3 billion search impressions per month and buy a car or truck every three minutes. Today's car buyer has high expectations when they browse online. eBay Motors helps you meet those expectations. Use machine learning with our AI-driven vehicle pages, and you'll automatically optimize your buyer's experience. It's as easy as listing your inventory and watching as the most engaged buyers find you. If you've ever uploaded your automotive inventory to a website, you have more than enough skills to get your cars listed on eBay Motors. It will feel like you're setting up an entirely new car dealership within minutes. Once you list your available inventory, you'll have additional support from the platform, including a single destination page for your entire brand. Want to generate more sales automatically? eBay Motors lets you choose between auction, classified, and fixed-price listing options so the site does the heavy lifting. It even integrates with your existing dealer or vehicle management system. 
All you have to do is list your inventory. Sit back, relax, watch a movie, and then check back in to see the sales you've made. How do you start? It's as simple as creating an account. Call 866-210-5362 and mention the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Find out why selling cars has never been this easy. That number again, 866-210-5362. So how fast is this moving, right? You know, again, from, from customers that are maybe not in the automotive space, um, how fast is this moving? Uh, should automakers be thinking, you know, how... How much of an issue, how much of a priority should this be on the minds of, of leaders of automotive companies? What are you learning? What are you seeing relative to the benefits that your customers are finding to their businesses that might be operating in other industries? It's not moving as quickly as I, I feel it should. Um, and I think it's more of it's the data centric culture change that's going on. Uh, the companies that are already data centric it's moving at light speed. They are, they're capitalizing on it very quickly. So um, the reality is I see there's going to be a big gulf, a big chasm that's gonna open up in manufacturing. Uh, those that are actually shifting their, their culture to be data centric and bringing on these tools and adoption are, are, are moving at a very fast clip. Those that already were data centric that are now just plugging these tools in, building up the traceability, they are moving very quickly. Uh, you know, as mentioned, uh, you know, some of our customers are just adding these product lines like within three months. I mean, you see a brand new full product line from inception to actual product being built for through NPI, the new product introduction process, prototype samples coming off the line, three months as short as that, porting an entire factory line from Asia overseas and dropping it into a manufacturing floor here in North America and doing that in just a matter of a couple of months. Um, that's the speed and the companies that aren't data centric, I mean, you know, they'll, they'll, they won't believe that. Um, you have to take them into that factory and connecting with these these managers of these data centric factories, and 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 they'll get a huge wake up call. Um, you know that's that's sort of my warning out there in the industry. I'm seeing it. Uh, this gulf is going to open up very quickly. Um, um, but you know, on the positive side, there's a lot of you know um, non sort of data centric companies. You know, they're still working the old way, but they have people embedded in the company. And, and this is one of the more exciting things for me because it connects me as an engineer originally that they've got, they've got these new students coming out of college and they've got programming skills. They know Python, you know, they know PHP, JavaScript. And what they start doing is writing their own little widget tools to handle data. And, and this is your workforce. That is, you, you need to encourage that. And, and we are seeing companies do that. And that is what's going to really move the culture quickly. So basically, all the seeds are there for a culture and a company to move quickly and now capitalize a more data-centric approach. And the uh, the new hires coming out of colleges, you know, students in the last ten years, they all have these really great skills for helping quickly shift that and, and move quickly. But uh, yeah, there's otherwise if you're not, yeah, the 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 companies again that are data-centric that have the systems in place they are scaling fast and you're just the divide is going to just get very wide for those that aren't able to move very quickly 
I want to get your point of view on the survey that we did last week, um, ran April 13th through the 16th. We, we surveyed our subscribers, about 475 of them responded. A um, couple of data points that caught me, I think, off guard. Um, well, one did and the other one, the one did. And, and I'd like your point of view on it. So we ask automakers and suppliers, um, has the chip shortage changed how they manage supply chain risk? 42% of them said yes. But then you ask that same group of folks, hey, are you considering an additional investments in technologies, much like what we're talking about here, that would help create earlier warning signs of potential supply chain risk? And only 22% of them said yes, which I, quite frankly, I thought that was stunning. Yeah. Why should companies invest in these type of chip traceability, broader industry 4.0 technologies to solve these supply chain risk challenges? Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate. Yeah, there's there's still um, the, you know the, this perspective of people yeah not shifting so quickly. So they they're throwing people at it, um, and you know they have some systems in place to help them try and manage these risks. But yeah, they're not investing in the infrastructure, and um, I think um, you know they, the the reasons why they should be investing in it is uh, because. Uh, supply chains around them are becoming faster, more adaptable with the industry 4.0 technology. So um, I think the sense that I've found in talking to certain companies, especially like the old cable and harness companies, right, huge supply chain into automotive, you know, they look at it as it's, it's kind of a bulk product, it's simple, and I can throw cheap labor at it and I keep working and I've got the contracts. And so it's very hard for my customers to pivot to another cable supplier. Well, that game is is over. Um, you know, you don't see it yet, but you know, we see it in the customers that we serve. That uh, if they wanted to, they could turn on a cable uh, harness line for automotive and be up and running in a matter of a few months and and capture market share because they have the data to prove I have the reliability, I have the scale, and the repeatability that the automotive industry needs. You know, um, that kind of thing. Uh, so. Uh, unfortunately, you know, so we're in this educational cycle, you know, yeah, we're selling a product, but we're, we're really, we're, we're, we're selling, this is really happening today, you know, um, besides being a company that sells the software systems to, to do this, it's really the drive, it's about innovation, and, um, and companies need to start innovating, and I think, and, and as we're educating them, uh, my sense is, yeah, there's still this locked-in mentality that, you know, I have customers I'm locked in. It's very painful uh, to shift. That's more so on the medical device side. That's going to be another one that's going to really start to shift as well at some point. But, yeah, FDA approval process of medical devices, yeah, you you can work on pencils and paper and spreadsheets because the approval process is so long, you know, in terms of getting your medical device in the market. So you're producing, you can continue to do it the old way, but that's going to shift as well. Um, so those, that's the trend. That's the thing that really why companies need to start investing because those long barriers, those lock-in, those barriers that kept you locked in with the customer, they're they're disintegrating because um, there are there are new technologies being rolled out. And industry 4.0, it's you know we can't throw labor at things anymore. These are complex challenges. Your product needs to uh, you know integrate with more and more complex systems. You need to provide the traceability and the data. And um, anyway, so that's kind of uh, 
the kind of main reasons. The industry is changing around them. So that's why you need to invest. And Europe is moving quick. I mean, Germany has traditionally been a great, a very a powerhouse in manufacturing. They are the beacon of Industry 4.0. Uh, Ifotech, look at the stuff that they do in terms of automated machines and the data flowing. I mean, it's phenomenal. There's the U.S. equivalents here as well, but uh, just as as a, as a manufacturing ecosystem, supply chain uh, uh, systems, uh, I think you know Germany is moving quickly. We have the prowess here. We're doing it as well, but um, you know we need to move quickly. Um, these things are changing. Well, I mean, from a national perspective, there's long-term downstream impact when it comes to global competitiveness, national security. I mean, that's a whole probably two-hour conversation in itself. Um, um, so, well, let's let's close with maybe a couple of last questions here. So, if I'm listening to this, um, what advice would you offer to companies that are hoping to navigate this issue, that are thinking about the semiconductor issue, that are that are thinking about how do I adopt traceability into my operations? And in responding to that, could you also touch upon some of the risk of traceability that you you talked about or, or mentioned there were risk a few minutes ago? Yeah, that's uh, great. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll let's start at the, the 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 risk side. Let me start from that side. It's really about it's it's game more planning. You know, uh, especially if you you you're not a very data centric organization, there's there's risks in there. It's um, it's the IT uh, having the right IT infrastructure in place. That's one. And by the way, that cost and complexity has dropped greatly. Um, you can take a single little single board computer, attach a barcode scanner to it, and turn it into a formidable IoT type data collection device. So those barriers. Um, so those are the risks. There is basically going the mitigating the risk of a failure of this rollout because one, it can impact your line. There's ways to do it where literally you don't skip a beat. Your manufacturing line continues and it grows, and you bring in these these technologies in a staged manner. But you have to look at your whole organization and make sure they're ready for it. A data centric culture. You're you're going to have uh, you know old stalwarts in there, uh, silos that that don't want to share data. And so once you get past that, then then things really open up um, and and that's you now you, you take that risk. Now the, the, the traceability requirements coming um, the it's just growing in complexity. Uh, you know, in your pocket is basically the equivalent of supercomputer. If we could have imagined how much power we had in a in this little black box which is a smartphone, if you told somebody in the mid-80s what kind of computing power would be in your pocket, they wouldn't believe you. It's and that complexity is just going to grow. Society is shifting, and our requirements for more complex products that provide a, a higher value to us uh, and the reliability we come dependent on them. And you now autonomous vehicles, everything. This is just growing uh, exponentially now, um, and we're we're starting to see it. And and so that requires a shift in the mindset of how we manufacture, and and we are doing it. Uh, you know, here in North America, it's rolling out. It's big. You know, I mentioned Germany and and that, but really, we're moving supply chain back here because we're able to roll out these digital technologies. So a huge benefit. You're now capturing market back into the U.S. We're creating uh, more higher order margin product, and we're doing it more efficiently. You're going to have environmental benefit. You're going to have cost savings benefit, and and the quality in the consumer. You know, it's just a win-win all the way. But yeah, so, but 
you you have to uh, just be ready, start to shift the mindset within your organization and, and start to focus that we're not just building a product anymore. Uh, we're building, we're a service. You're, you're building manufacturers becoming both product and service providers in a way. The data is your service. And by the way, that can be paid for, charged for your customer base. The value proposition is massive when you start to look at what is the value to my end customer when I sell them a product that I can guarantee with data. I can give full visibility. I can plug my data into their ERP system and literally share with them what my supply chain speed is, how fast I can move, how fast I can scale. Those benefits start to add just a tremendous amount of profit on top of, of what you're already doing. You, you hit the nail on the head in that, at least in this industry, the service side of the business is a much more uh, impactful multiplier of revenue than the transaction of the vehicle. And we're seeing examples all over the place of automakers that are taking that data, building new business models on them, um, uh, even serving customers in better ways, more unique ways in long term. Right. When 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 folks choose to go how they choose to move from one place to another, uh, those types of experience drive loyalty and and, and so forth. So. So, um, yeah, absolutely agree with all the perspectives that you shared. Um, Ryan, thank you very much for joining me today on on Daily Drive. Interesting, and I'm sure uh, highly valuable to all of our listeners. Appreciate you taking a few minutes. Hey, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm excited for this industry. I love the topic, and um, yeah, um, I'm loving what's coming in the future uh, on this industry 4.0 and uh, our shifting manufacturing. and Our competitive edges are growing again. It's great. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you. That's Daily Drive for Friday, April 23rd. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all of our episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash Daily Drive. As always, thanks for listening. Have an amazing weekend, everyone. And we'll be back on Monday.